Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute. Is that right? Did I do it right? Welcome to another exciting episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you believe a man can flies his 1983's Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me, as always, on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. So, Chris, this is another very exciting episode because we have a special guest. Yay. Yeah. Um, it really isn't an official Superman podcast unless you have this gentleman on your show. And, of course, we're talking about podcasting's Michael Bailey. Hi, Mike. I'm like Matt Dillon in The Outsiders. No one's going to talk about Superman 3 without me. <laughs> so. I, like I said, it really it just feels wrong if you don't have Michael Bailey on your Superman podcast at some point. So, of course, we had to fit him in here as we're talking about Superman 3. We're going to be talking about minutes 85 to 90. They're going to start with that annoying little Ricky getting out of the cab, and they're going to end with uh, Clark Kent being trapped in a car crusher. How the hell does that happen? But before we get to all that, I mean, Mike, we got to ask you, what is your history with this movie? So despite what Shag thinks, my memory is not, like, especially like when I was a little kid, is not, like, super perfect. And I am 95% sure I saw this in the theater because I have a memory of seeing... Uh, Vera turn into the robot in the theater. So I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater, but uh, this was the first movie I taped off of HBO. That was my choice to tape. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, and I also have a vivid memory of seeing the trailer for the movie in the theater because the trailer for this movie is very distinctive because it's like seven minutes long and it's the entire film. <laughs> but it starts with like those pink clouds and the silver S. And I remember sitting in the theater and seeing that and getting really, really excited. So, uh, and, and this is, <laughs> I love this movie. Like when I was watching it for this, I realized how much I love this movie despite its flaws. So it, it was kind of nice to revisit this for the first time in like years. Uh, winding back. I just want to say, uh, Starting a sentence with despite what Shag says is always a great way to start a sentence. I mean, it just, you can't, you know, you're, we're already on sure footing starting starting sense with those words. But I, I find I, it, I'll admit I'm disappointed that, that's, that, that your recollection didn't start with a trip to the Super Fresh. I, this, I don't know. This would have been before the Super Fresh. This oh, okay. We were living in Mountaintop, so we would have seen it at the Wyoming Valley Mall. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. In, in, in Wilkes-Barre. Um, cause this was around the time we went to a lot of movies too. So that's why I'm, I'm on sure footing that we actually went to see Superman three, which I'm kind of surprised that my mom and my sisters agreed to go <laughs> because I was outnumbered, but maybe it's just like, okay, we've gone and seen all these other things. Maybe he's not all that into. So let, let, let's throw the kid a bone. I, l- luckily I was always, I, my mom was always up for a Superman movie because of Christopher Reeve. So I was in good shape. <laughs> Ironically enough, both Super Fresh and Throwing the Kid a Bone would have been a great episode title for the show we did with the Lorelei scene. It would have been great for either one of those. But, uh, 
<laughs> I, I find it so charming, Mike, that that your the first movie you ever taped off HBO was Superman three. When like for a lot of kids, it was like a movie with nudity because that you know like that's what HBO was for. But you were like, I like Superman three. This <laughs> is so sweet. <laughs> no, we, we we got our VCR in the end of '83. Uh, and, and you'll be happy to know the first movie we actually watched on it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, perfect. Because uh, we were we were all fascinated that you could pause it. <laughs> because we were, uh, we were Luddites and we were just, you know, getting used to electricity. So, <laughs> Hey, I didn't get, we didn't get ours till 84. So you were ahead of us there. So <laughs> what kind of sorcery is this? I can stop the movie in the middle of it and stare at Harrison Ford. So uh, how often do you return to this film? Like how often do you watch the, the Reeve movies? Do you, do you go back to them every so often? I mean, as a Superman podcaster, I feel like that's probably something you do fairly frequently. Every every couple of years, I'll I'll circle back to um I, I I this is why I love being in the now is because I can watch them on my phone uh and and, wow. and so that means my lunch hour if I want to I could watch like like the other day I watched an hour of Superman three uh, uh with this with this scene in the middle of it and I will revisit two more than any others but I will get into it where I've got to watch all four. Like, like once I start the first one, uh, I don't revisit the three hour version of the first one all that often because, <laughs> because that's a commitment <laughs> of time and energy. And I love that that exists. On the other hand, I also like, I'm watching the Smallville scenes and going, you know, guys, we could have, you, you, you could use a nip and a tuck there yourself, sister. But no, I, I, I'll like every like like every couple of years. I've got that giant sixteen disc box set from two thousand six. So I'll go through like all the supplementary stuff and watch the deleted scenes and and things. So yeah, it's 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 not like every six months. It's more like every like you know two or three years. I'll circle back and go through them again. But this was the first time in a while that I've watched Superman three all the way through. Oh, okay. I'm dying to find out what you thought of these particular moments as we go through them and how they're fresher in your mind. Yeah, no, I, leading up to these moments, I was surprised how much as an adult I responded to the Clark Lana scenes and how much I realized that this film in particular was crucial in my formation of who I thought Superman and Clark Kent were. Like between Superman 2 and 3, I was primed for the burn revamp when it happened and when I discovered those comics because it was more like the relationships I saw on the, on the screen with Clark being a little more human. And I, you know, you got Richard Pryor asking about uh, and all that, and that's kind of hard to watch at times, but like once I get into scenes where it's Chris or it's, it's a net, well, a net tool. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 she is a delight to watch no matter what you're watching her in. Uh, I think you guys mentioned across my heart. A couple yes. of times early in the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I vividly remember that coming on HBO and it being like, wow, this is actually a really fun movie. Thank you. Movie gods. I appreciate yeah. you giving this to me at 13. Oh. Um, but, uh, <laughs> And it's a funny movie too. That's, that's the thing is, you know, you can be salacious about it, but it's actually a really like Martin Short and Annette O'Toole had chemistry. Like, and I never thought those words would ever escape my mouth, but, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I just think w- w- with this movie in particular, it is such an examination of Superman as a person, even more so than two. 
And I think that's why I will give like the more silly parts of this movie a pass. And I have to admit, I love watching Robert Vaughn just glide through this movie. Like, like I, I will quote, I can't have anybody who isn't uh, with me, who isn't with me at work constantly. And no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, these minutes though, I mean, you could watch these minutes and never know Richard Pryor's in this film. Yeah. So, no, that, uh, that's the thing. It's like, this which is, is the best way to movie. watch Superman three. Yeah. Really? <laughs> no, I'll do the Bailey cut and uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll cut him out of it. No, like this is two movies. And yeah. it really hit me this recent time watching it that you have like Richard Lester trying to do broad comedy with Richard Pryor on one end. But on the other hand, you have this serious examination of Clark. Like, who am I? You know, like, you know who am I? Um, I keep <laughs> referencing other movies. Uh, you know, when you look at two, it was him falling low. You, you guys said that uh, during the course of the film, that, that that movie was all about the fall and him realizing where his place is. But this is the movie where, like, somebody likes Clark. Like, I, I, I love Superman the movie, but Lois isn't really friends with Clark. They're just co-workers. And in the second movie, you know, she goes, I am your friend. You know, they're, they're actually friends. But he doesn't have anybody that responds to him. And when you have Lana there, she just, she doesn't care about Superman. She doesn't care about the guy in the cave. When she sees Clark, you see her eyes light up and she's like excited to see him. And the moments they have together are just a joy to watch. So it's almost like, you know, it's like, which, which part of the movie are we going to be watching now? When now we're watching the, you know, the Robert Vaughn and his uh, double act of uh, his sister and his psychic nutritionist. Uh, and, and and Richard Pryor, and then you have this whole other film where they're doing a deep examination of the two halves of Clark Kent. It's like that, uh, Chris will probably remember this one. There's a four-part story that happened around like Superman 300 where this alien basically made it that if, uh, if Superman wasn't wearing just his uniform, he didn't have his powers. Mm. So he spent, like an issue being Clark, where... <laughs> It's heavily implied he had sex with Lois. Yes. Um, they had to recolor, because they have her wearing the same outfit. The colorist had to make sure it was a different color. Um, because that would have been a little too subtle. Um, but And then there was like an issue where he was just Superman. And it was this whole examination of how he needs both parts of his life. And I feel like this is that for the Reeve films. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It, it does really feel like, especially now, watching these scenes it's like literally these are two parallel films that just somebody like almost like they stripped them together you know so mm -hmm. like to, to a point it does have that feeling because now we're in we're in the superman three that i will revisit you know i i just go back and watch i watch the uh a lot of times i'll just watch the super feats i'll watch uh you know the the chemical lab and then mm -hmm. i'll i'll jump to uh i'll jump to when he saves ricky and then i'll i'll jump to this you know and 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 i skip all the richard Pryor antics <laughs> i watch that more than i've watched the film in total over the years so 
Yeah, the other day when I was watching it, I was remembering your episode about him in the general outfit. And I was just like, God, I feel what they were feeling <laughs> right now. This is just so hard to watch. Ooh. And props to Chris Reeve for keeping a straight face throughout the entire thing. I mean, he, did, he didn't look like excited to be here, there, but he didn't look like he was dying inside either. So. No. So. He was probably thinking about the house that this movie bought him or something. You know, he's just like, all right, it's going to have a deck and then I'm going to have a thing and it's going to, all right, I'm going to put the pool here. It's going to be in an infinity pool and then it's going to be great. What? Oh, yeah. All right, Richard Pryor. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I'm going to buy one of those ultra light gliders he liked to fly, right? Or something, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to buy that Canon video camera and I'm going to buy that car, that toy car for my kid. And we're going to do home movies and it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, like you guys just said, I mean, watching this movie five minutes at a time, I really, my memory of this movie is, was different than what the re- reality is. And the reality is all the Superman stuff's really pretty good. It's mm-hmm. just when it cuts back to Richard Pryor and all the other stuff, I'm like, <sighs> there really is there really are hard demarcation points where it's like all right now it's this movie now it's the superman movie now it's back to this movie and so yeah you can just leave all that stuff out but i my memory was that it was more smooshed together and it really is it's like richard Pryor just did his stuff and then we cut to christopher reeve doing superman stuff and all the superman stuff is great and all the stuff with the nano tool is great so uh and and as chris and i talked about when we went through the real troughs of this movie yes we're we're out of it now we're in the fun stuff you know we're in the fun superman doing cool stuff so let's talk about superman doing cool stuff uh these five minutes i said they open with ricky jumping out of the cab and you know trying to call for superman like what's going on superman and uh you know drunk kryptonite superman comes staggering out and i love that when he (laughs) christopher reeve does a great drunk walk where he's doing that thing where he's like trying mm-hmm. not to look drunk, but he is. And then I love when he's like, what are you all looking at? <laughs> it's so fun. And it's again, like we live in this world where people aren't afraid of Superman, which I would be because I'd be like, if I piss Superman off, he can microwave my insides. Like <laughs> just, people are just like, yeah, all right, whatever Superman. I was like, okay, we're all well, I have good news for you, Rob. Current films have you covered on that? <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, Mike, that's a good question. Is this is this the first time any media really portrayed the public questioning if they could trust Superman? You know, I think it is. Because uh, really, the first time in the comics was the introduction of the new Brainiac, where randomly, like, Superman's just standing there. He's not doing anything. And you have this, like, group of people looking up at him, and somebody goes, well, what if he ever went crazy? And I'm like, when did Stan Lee from FF number five start scripting this comic mm-hmm. and this like like you have that guy that's just standing there it's like no one's ever gonna trust that guy again i mean it's just like yeah and, and he just keeps talking like you're right rob he's not afraid of superman whereas i wouldn't be mouthing off to, to the guy that could literally rip me in half like i'm a phone book yeah and be really and reeve does drunk very well like, cause he's not, he's not like doing like the over-exaggerated slurring his words, but you can tell, yeah, he's, he, he's on something. Uh, and, and I also appreciate that Ricky hits his mark every time. I do wish that they had maybe edited out a few of Ricky's yelling after a while. I was like, shut up already. Like, just, ah, okay, Superman, 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 where are you going, Superman? Hey, Superman. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like the five of them is okay i don't need 10 more or something ricky is stewie from family game mommy mom mommy, oh my mommy, mommy. 
and, and in terms of uh, the, the public not trusting Superman, Chris, I think you're forgetting that classic episode of The Avengers of Superman where the George Reed Superman just lets Congress blow up and just stands there and it's all burning and he just stands there looking sad. You don't remember that episode? It was a great one. It's not, it's not in the syndication package. Maybe that's part of the problem. Oh, okay. But, okay. But, but I... Rob, what you don't understand is that the bomb was in the wheelchair and the wheelchair was covered with lead so he couldn't see it. <laughs> of course. It all tracks. So, okay. So, we get, got, but, well, before we move on to that, since we got Michael here, I got to ask, I got to ask Michael a question real quick, Rob. I, I know you weren't in the, in the episode where we talked about Superman in the bar, but he is drunk walking out of a bar. So, so as someone who does a Superman and Lois podcast, Michael, I have to ask, do you think this is where Jonathan and Jordan's drinking problem came from? I think Jonathan and Jordan drink is because kids get drunk in the country. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, my co-host over on the Superman and Lois tapes uh, grew up in, in rural areas and apparently teenagers going to an abandoned place and getting drunk is quite common. So, but yeah, I, uh, God, they do like get ha- try to get hammered a lot, don't they? And they never get in trouble for it. That's what gets me. They like they never get punished for it. That's it's just like we'll talk to you later. We've got to deal with like all these Kryptonians coming. You know, <laughs> we have it's to like deal oh, with the greater threat and not, yeah, but it's and like, not have oh, the very special episode of Superman and Lois tapes. They're gonna they're gonna have to have an AAA meeting for them or something, man. I will tell you, it's bad. AA, sorry, I have an extra A in there, but geez, sorry, Rob. <laughs> the JLA triple A meeting. They gotta they gotta. They got to talk about car repair. Or There's been a lot of cars destroyed in that show. So. Well, it's, it's set in Smallville. I'd hate to be an insurance an insurance adjuster in that town. Like, like that guy's got a drinking problem. I'm telling you right now. Yes, he does. Do you guys just want to do a Superman and Lois show, and I'll just come back later when you're done? Is that I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I was just answering. I, that was my fault. I apologize. I'm just. <laughs> I think that's funny. I feel so left out. So anyway, so Superman, Superman is flying around uh, drunk, uh, and he's looking, ah! And I have to think that the, the wire work obviously has progressed to the point where uh, that Christopher Reeve can kind of toss around like that. Uh, I think mm-hmm. in the early, you know, the first film, they kind of had to have him really going pretty much straight ahead, and then he could bank a little. But here, he's just flying all over the plate, literally, flying all over the place. And so I'm guessing the wire work is getting more sophisticated that he can, that he can keep him oriented like that. Um, and it looks really good. I mean, it looks great. It looks like he's just, you know, really in pain and in agony. Uh, and then he lands in the junkyard. He does that great flex. And by the way, his, uh, his biceps are looking huge there. in that one shot where he's like, like he's looking all like David Prowse, man, really did him a, did him a solid, but also, you know, he obviously kept himself in shape. Obviously, uh, good good job on you, Christopher. So then he's sort of screaming, and we see all these construction workers, not construction workers, the junkyard guys, seeing what this is. And very smartly, they all get the hell out. The minute yeah. they see him land, they're just nobody waits. They're all just like, I'm just getting the hell out of here because crazy Superman has landed. I'm going home for the day. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Oh no, you go ahead, Mike. No, you were you were talking about the flying, and that is one of the things about watching it this time that I noticed the most is how great the flying effects are in this film, like how effortless they are, and how cool Chris just looks just in the flying shots. And I know that it, it's probably easier because you can manipulate it better because you're not dealing with a physical thing to do a, a digital cape, but these movies remind me that you can do a cloth cape and it can look really good on camera. 
uh, as it's fluttering through. But when he's flying and the shots of him in the city, I'm like, these hold up. These these do not look. It, it's not like watching 2002 Spider-Man where some of the CGI effects are a little wooly. Uh, but yeah, when he lands and he screams, I'm like, I'm surprised this didn't terrify me as a child. <laughs> Because yeah. he he doesn't just yell he just he's like a letter like a guttural thing that goes on several minutes it feels like I I that I, I want to just add that when he takes off and banks to the right that is such a I mean it's just it's I mean we all obviously we know Christopher Reeve knows how to bank when he's flying because famously in the first scene he's Superman obviously but it looks so great and it just struck me it's like. Even evil Superman won't destroy the pavement like modern good Superman will, right? Uh, you know, he takes off and lands without making a freaking earthquake, right? Uh, but when he lands, I've, I've brought this up before. Look how high up Christopher Reeve, the star of this movie, is above a junkyard. I mean, he's like 30 feet in the air, and that's him. He's hanging by wires with nothing under him. That's not, there's no CGI to, to take out what's underneath him. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe there were mats underneath the dirt there or something, who knows, but, but I mean, that looks, I mean, it's, it, and it's one continuous shot in the whole time while he's in that harness flying, Christopher Reeve is acting, he hits the ground and is acting and then does the scream as you, as you pointed out, Rob. And I kind of got to think this is probably what his scream sounded like in the first film when Lois dies before they added the reverb and, mm. you know, the vocal effects. And and yes, this the colors of this uniform, the evil Superman's uniform, make Reeves' uh, muscles actually show better than the normal Superman uniform. And he's built like he's in great shape in this film. <laughs> he just is. <laughs> That's something that uh, I think the the rest of us that don't uh, that aren't in the involved in making in these movies probably don't consider enough. Like I remember reading about that one of the reasons that Hugh Jackman got tired of playing Wolverine is because he simply got tired of having to be so jacked all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work. I mean, you know, obviously you can hire a trainer and you can get a trainer to whip you into shape. If all of us had the money for, for a trainer, we could all be in like Hugh Jackman shape. Well, maybe not, maybe not that good, but if you had somebody whose job it was just to make you be in shape, you would be in shape. But at the same time, it still takes a lot of self-discipline to do all the exercise and to like eat right. And so I could see why if you're cast in these roles where you have to be in like peak physical condition after a while, you can get a little tiresome, you know, I can see a little while Chris Reeves like, can I just have a cheeseburger or something? He's like, no, you got to look tight here. And so you can't have flabby Superman, you know what I mean? That's that kind of thing. So he looks yeah, great here. He just looks just really, he looks, he's not overdone, but he looks like the sort of the peak physical ideal of what Superman uh, would look like. Um, so he said he lands in the thing and all these construction guys just take the hell off. They're just like, forget it. And then he's, by the way, the music is great. I really like all the sort of mm-hmm. grim tones of it. Uh, it's really, really effective. And then he starts, you know, then he, then of course he starts, he's down on his knees, starts breathing heavily and he's flipping out. And then, uh, he splits into two Supermans. Now, something I've always been curious about it and i've never bothered to ask anybody because when i've had the opportunity i want to ask your opinion of either, either one of you is this literally happening did he literally split into two people or is this all in superman's mind and if someone else was watching it you would just see superman wandering around 
punching the air at nobody. Do you think this is, or did this literally occur that he is split into two people? Mike, what do you think? I am so glad you asked this question because I was going to, if you didn't, um, because it was my first thought when I was watching it this most recent time. And I'm like, is, and like you said, is it happening? Uh, is it live or is it Memorex? And to me, this is all happening in his head. Uh, I don't think he physically split into two people. Uh, the Superman films play fast and loose with things, um, which is an understatement, but to me, this scene works better if it's all in his head. Like, this is him having a breakdown uh, because of whatever that kryptonite, with, now with more tar, uh, did, with, did to him. And I really think, like you said, if, if, if we, like, saw what was happening outside of this, it w- you would have you seen Superman just kind of flailing around, which I think would have been more terrifying. <laughs> yeah, for for the people who live in this universe. But no, I'm totally on board with this is all in his head. Uh, counterpoint, I think it happened in... in, in <laughs> it actually happens. And, and the reason I think that is probably the fault of the Scholastic Superman movie book I'm always talking about. <laughs> because they literally showed like red kryptonite. They took, a, they took the kryptonite from this movie and, and colored it red and had it sitting beside the green, the, the green synthetic kryptonite and said, this kryptonite acts much like the red kryptonite of the comics. So in the comic books, red kryptonite can do anything. You know, it can, it could literally split Superman and Clark Kent into two. So to, for me, this is, this is essentially synthetic red kryptonite and it splits them into two. And I, I think, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I think that's one reason why the workers all scattered is because the film didn't want to have to deal with the fact that, oh, all these guys saw Clark Kent fighting super. They saw Clark Kent walk out of Superman and then have a fight and then have Clark Kent do a shirt rip at the end. And now he's Superman. Um, So that, I mean, that's, that's my, that's my train of logic. I've always just thought it physically happened because it's a Superman movie. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He can have finger lasers. Why can't he split into being, why not? I, that, both of those work. I, I had never thought about it before. And then when I was rewatching these five minutes, I was like, is this literally happening? Is it all, is, you know, is it all in his head? And the other, then, okay, sub question, why not? I mean, we can't get into the heads of the filmmakers, obviously, but why not have him split into dark Superman and light Superman? Like, why does he split into Clark Kent as opposed to, splitting it to the non-evil looking Superman. Is it, you think it was just, it would be easier to discern the, the, the characters in the fight, easier to mask that it's body doubles at a different point. But I would thought, I never understood why he becomes Clark Kent exactly when Clark Kent is of course a facsimile. It's not a real, it's an identity that he puts on. Like, why doesn't he, why doesn't the other Superman come out in, in the colors that he is in the rest of the film? Uh, I always thought that might have been more visually appealing to see two literal Superman duking it out as opposed to a Clark Kent and a Superman. But I don't, I don't know. Does that make any sense, Mike? I thought about this too. <laughs> you're, you're like all in my notes. It's great. Um, I, I think it's Clark because he's having a crisis of identity as Clark Kent in this movie because somebody has, is, is attracted to him as Clark. So it's almost like all the good parts of him come from Clark Kent. And that's why that 
is what comes out of him is because it's that part of his identity trying to reassert itself and trying to kind of have more of a life beyond just being the guy that everybody dismisses at work. Uh, you know, it's, it's like Clark's leaving on vacation. When I left for my, 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 my one week staycation, like uh, about a month ago, like everybody was like, bye Mike, we're going to miss you. And <laughs> Clark's they're like, Clark's been working with these people for years, been through a lot with them. And they're all like, you know, Perry White gives him a nod and that's it. <laughs> so I think what the filmmakers were probably thinking was this is a, not only a battle of the good side and the evil side, but it's the battle of the Clark side and the Superman side and how this side is just as important as the other one, because now he sees he can have a life like that. I, I think that, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what Mike said. And I, I think, I think another reason, I mean, Rob, we've have asked throughout Superman movie minute in from all three films, you know, who's the real guy. And in, in, mm-hmm. in that, in these films and in what in each scene is this Clark, is this, is this Superman putting on laying it on thick with the Clark act? And then, you know, and then we've talked about in this one, he seems like there's another Clark Kent has emerged. Like the true Clark Kent emerges in this movie because of Lana, because like, as, as Mike points out, somebody actually showed some interest in him. Uh, so I, I think, and honestly, <laughs> I think uh, one reason why they went with Clark is because they knew that epic shirt rip was coming at the end of this scene. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, okay. did, yeah. yeah, because, I mean, that is, I mean, you know, that is one of the iconic moments in this whole film series and of Christopher Reeve as as the character, obviously. Um, so, I mean, I think that alone... Um, and I don't want to steal any thunder from the next uh, segment uh, uh, when, when we get to that. But, but it, uh, yeah, I think that's another reason why they chose him to come out as, as Clark instead of super as uh, you know, regular red and blue Superman. That makes total sense. I'd never thought of that, but that makes, that makes complete sense. Yeah. It gives you, it, it helps put the end the scene in a dramatic fashion to have yeah. him become sorry. That makes, all right, that's cool. Um, so this whole fight scene, which is pretty much everyone agrees is the highlight of the film. Uh, because it's it's as much something from a Silver Age Superman comic as you're going to get. Uh, this fight is a really pretty well done fight. I mean, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they they managed to in an era before computer effects, they managed to make it look as though it's it's Christopher Reeve in both uh, both times. I mean, there's the occasional use of a body double, but you really don't notice it. They once in a blue moon they will do a faraway shot where clearly it's it's a body double. For the most part, though. It's close-ups, and you will see both of them being Christopher Reeve at the same time, and it's very well done. And in fact, I'm not exactly sure how they did some of these shots because, like I said, it's not computer generated. But there were moments where it's like that's clearly Christopher Reeve in both iterations. And as we were talking about in previous episodes, this has had to be so much fun for him to play. I can almost see as an actor, you would just. He would read the script and probably skip over the Richard Pryor parts because he wasn't in those scenes. Like, yeah, whatever. But look at this. Look, look what I get to play here. I get first of all, I get to play all these scenes with Lana, which is great. But now I get to play evil Superman beating up uh, Clark Kent. Like that just had to be such a blast to play. And so this whole fight scene is really fun. The thing that got me the most this time is how vicious Reeve is as evil Superman. 
like like they're just kind of circling each other and then he's just like snarling almost he's like come on come on come on i'm like jesus <laughs> this would have been terrifying to see in real life if, if superman you know existed and i i think there's only like like one shot and it's the you know you've always wanted to fly kent now's your chance where it looks a little woolly like the the whatever uh superimposement they were doing because like today they would just go in there with a computer and just put whoever like henry cavill's face over a stunt double's face because you can do that now Mm -hmm. uh but here yeah it's 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 like on a technical level this is one of the most impressive you know impressive scenes of the entire film franchise like you know in the middle of this you know split down the middle film which is kind of appropriate when you think about what's going on with Superman (laughs) you have like this for 1983 this technically beautiful action sequence and you're not taken out of it at any point no I mean it yeah exactly I mean I I watched it you know this time I watched it you know looking for things like unfortunately like earlier in the chemical fire scene I saw some the wires and things like that you know but I mean literally like yeah you said like his Clark's head is a little it's a little blurry when Superman's got, you know, his hands on the back of his shirt and he's getting ready to toss him. Uh, but that's it. I mean, that's like the only thing. And it even, and even that looks good by, you know, the standards of today. And it still looks, it still looks pretty, it still looks pretty good. And it, like you said, it looks a whole lot better than a lot of ropey early CGI from, you know, 20 years ago or even by probably 10 years ago by this point. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and I, you know, I would have to imagine a lot of it's done with like the cameras being locked down and, and, um, you know, they get Reeve in, in the suit and then they have him, you know, uh, as in the Superman suit. And then they, you know, then they film other scenes where he's in the Clark Kent, um, uh, you know, uh, suit. And, and I, I guess that it, a lot of it comes down to really great editing. Um, mm. you know, it's, it's just really, really well done. And, and uh, I mean, we might be jumping ahead a little bit, but I just thought I might as well go ahead and mention it while we're talking about great technical stuff. The shot of Superman flying into the the car compactor, the cab. He's the the shots inside the cab, and you see Superman approach it, and then he walks in, and Reeve has to still have the harness and the wires on him. But he walks into that cab of that, you know, and and then mm-hmm. and, and that's all one shot. And I'm like, man, that just that looks fantastic. It looks literally like he flew up to that thing. And this is all done. Like we said, free computers. Um, yeah, it's, it just really, really holds up. Well, I was so happy to see that even on a pod, cause we all talk about, you know, when you podcast about something, sometimes it kind of takes a magical way because you get, you know, you get into looking into the, for the details and then you see things you wish you hadn't seen. And, and you notice things about plot and story and then in a movie about effects and things like that. But this scene really, really just still, still rocks it. It really does. Yeah. I, th- I think we've mentioned the editor before. John Victor Smith uh, is the editor uh, on this film and he worked with uh, Richard Lester on a bunch of other movies and he, he did a lot of other really good stuff too. So he was obviously uh, quite a good editor. And yeah, this scene is, is really put together beautifully well and that you don't notice all the scenes and stuff. Um, by the way, I love that uh, Clark Kent, pushes Superman, evil Superman, into this open vat of acid. 
which is probably uh, several OSHA violations, I believe. I don't think you can just have an open vat of chemicals outside of Axis chemicals. You really are not allowed to have this. I mean, just where it's something that anybody could fall into at any moment. And putting up a little sign with a skull and crossbones that simply says danger acid is not going to cut it. You really have to do something a little little bit better than that, guys. This This is the sketchy... Like, uh, why am I blanking on what that place is? Junkyard. It's like it's like the one on the edge of town. It's the one that webs. It's a Webco subsidiary, and yeah. they have just paid off the people. Uh, like the local. Like every time the 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 health and safety. Well, <laughs> I listen to Andy talk about health and safety too much. Um, the, the the OSHA guy comes by, and there's just a one of the workers there with a with a pile of cash. That just hands it to him. He's like, well, everything looks good. I'll see you all next year. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, a guy is falling into the acid behind him, screaming and dying. He's like, nope, nope, I need that car. <laughs> it's in suicide slum, obviously, because we're in Metropolis now. So. <laughs> Health and safety. Oh, if only we had that in this country. That would be a nice thing. It would be a good yeah. thing to have. Uh, so, uh, so uh, Superman blows some some acid onto Clark Kent, and it eats only through his uh, blazer, uh, which means uh, that that's a that's a hell of a blazer that it, the acid doesn't eat its way into the shirt. Uh, like uh, that, that was a good purchase, Clark. Uh, so then Superman starts beating the crap out of Clark with a uh, a, f- a truck fender or a car fender. Then he sort of gets a little wonky. And he gets a little tired. They go up on this ramp. They end up by this red car that, I don't know, am I crazy? To me, that looks exactly like Lois's car from the first film. I think mm. that was the car she got buried in when, when the ground opened up. It looks exactly like the same car. Uh, maybe it is. You know, I mean, she doesn't, that car was destroyed. That car wasn't uh, of use anymore. Uh, but it, to me, it looks exactly like it. And then Superman grabs Clark Kent by the throat, almost kind of strangles him with his tie. And then he does a thing where he pitches him off. Uh, the top of this car and he lands and it's again it's a great stunt that this guy does because he throws this guy and the guy does a backflip through the air uh i'm guessing maybe he was on wires to be able to do that because i don't think you could just do that right i mean i don't know you could orient yourself you could generate enough torque to flip yourself over like that i don't know i guess they could have jumped had him on a trampoline or something if it was somebody that was um you know really good at stunts and you know because I don't know, but yeah, he probably was on wires. But yeah, it looks it looks great, and it looks like it's painful. I mean, obviously, Clark has some amount of invulnerability, or he wouldn't have mm-hmm. survived any of this, you know. I mean, so it's it, and I think it's cool that they show when you know after Superman punches him for the second time, he like shakes his fist like, "Ow, that hurt," you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're building up that like Clark isn't like this isn't like Clark isn't totally human. He's got some super. Uh, superpowers obviously some strength and and vulnerability but it, you know it's it, it still looks like very very painful when he gets i mean you're getting beaten with a car bumper you're getting knocked into just piles of of sharp metal cars and uh it's 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 really it, it it's bloodless but it's pretty intense and it's you know it's it's not like i mean it's not like violent like it's like there's bruises and you know uh, blood showing everywhere, and you know it's because you wouldn't want well, that in a Superman film, obviously. And and <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously. But uh, <laughs> but but it really does. I mean, when you watch, it's like, oh man, this looks it. It really sells that this is these guys are are really 
just beating the crud out of one another. It's it's really great. I love how Clark puffs his his uh, chest out that one time when Superman's coming at him. Like I can mm-hmm. take it. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I, I hope that stunt double was wearing some padding when he was hitting him with that fender because Reeve was really pounding that guy. Like <laughs> like like I know that, yeah. that it's probably not. It's like probably very flimsy metal and all that. But the 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 foley effect on that when it hits him really sells that he's just beating the hell out of this guy. And yeah, that, that I like that scene too, Chris, where he just stands up to, he's just like, Nope, I'm going to take this. And then the look on his face when he gets hit, it's just like, it's just like, you want to freeze it. And it's just like, and it was at that moment that he knew he messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will point out that when they first, uh, I forgot to mention this, when Clark first, you know, appears uh, from out of Superman's body, his glasses still aren't pushed on straight. They, they're not <laughs> throughout this entire film. It drives me nuts. It, it, it's like Christopher, they could not get Christopher Reeve a pair of glasses that fit him in this film. I, it, it's like, what the hell, people? Come on. You're doing all this great stunt work and you can't find the star of the movie a, a pair of glasses that fit him? <laughs> well, they're, they're all messed up frames from Pa. So, oh, okay, good, gotcha. At least according to the Superboy series. Uh, so, so, you know, just like you know, you know Pa Camp is probably constantly messing up his glasses on the farm. So it's just like, and he's running out of, I think, uh, he's running out of uh, like windshield from the, the rocket that brought right. him to Earth. That's right, <laughs> the finite source, yeah. Uh, so Clark ends up uh, in the bottom of this uh, car compactor. And then Superman jumps into the controls. And, of course, Superman, being brilliant, knows how to operate this thing. Uh, I guess maybe you – know, I've never been in one of these things. Maybe the buttons are really simple. Maybe there's just like a you know one button for crush and the other button is for dumpers. And then we see there's a switch there. Uh, and then we see all the, the, you know, the, the sort of pistons start going. And uh, all this stuff starts slowly sort of Death Star trash compactoring uh, Clark Kent. And, again, it looks great. It mm-hmm. looks – all this fake metal – looks su- it looks i was about to say it looks super it looks real it looks like it's really metal and of course the sound effects are great with the crunching and it's it's really kind of upsetting to watch clark get slowly crushed by all this stuff and um i i really love lester's uh, extreme pullback at the end of these five minutes it's right at the, it's right at like the uh, the last 15 seconds of this thing where he pulls the camera back in a very very wide shot as that sort of like arm or like the lid closes in on Clark. And then it goes to, for one moment, goes to like all black. It's, a, as Chris is saying, it's a really intense, effective sequence. And it's, you know, to me by far, in terms of the action beats, the best thing in this movie. Yeah, Lester was good at action. Uh, I, I think uh, it kind of gets, it's gets lost because you know, the, the larger debates that happen online now, and I know you're all shocked that there are people arguing on the internet, but what? Uh, the, yeah, the, the lar- you know, the, the Lester versus Donner uh, battles, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, tend to focus on, everyone focuses on Lester's sillier, more workmanlike direction style. But when you look at his action sequences, they're fairly intense. Like, you know, a- not to jump ahead, but the end of this film turns into a Bond movie uh, mm. with with the the you know just just 
the stakes raised, obviously, because you can do more. But it's, you know, it's like the bad guy hitting the good guy with everything he has. And it all looks really good. And I think, I, I think people get so focused on the things that Lester does wrong that they never want to acknowledge something like this where, again, this is almost like a completely different movie all of a sudden. <laughs> Like the tonal shift in this scene is extreme. Yeah, this is the same movie that had the scene yeah, with the, it, the, the two the two uh, crosswalk graphics beating each other out. Yeah, this is the same movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and the you were talking, Rob, when when Clark was getting crushed. I remember that bothered my mom because she was extremely claustrophobic. Oh, and mm. just hearing you know him, he he sounds. I mean, honestly. The sounds he makes in that whole scene remind you a lot of uh, Lois. What happened to Lois in the first film? Um, you know, these, uh, these it, movies it, were tough on your mom. <laughs> they have a lot it, of this it, claustrophobic stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and and, and you're right. I'm I'm watching this. I, I just have a you know HBO Max up, and I just like slid over to the scene. It does indeed look like Lois's car. Good catch. Uh, <laughs> which is like that's even more ironic that it's like Clark's almost suffering the same fate here being crushed to death but yeah it's it's really just super well done and like you said very dark and i mean you know superman just at the last few seconds stumbles out of there but it's just like yeah it, it, but and, and mike you're you're dead on this and i think part of it's it's you know uh full disclosure it's it's been a little bit since rob and i recorded a previous episode so coming back to this fresh in this scene, it's like, wow, we're, we're covering a different movie now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it really did, did feel like that. It's, it's, and this is, you know, I mean, this is the Superman three, I think just like everyone else would love to have been, but more of this, let's, let's have more of this and less of some of this other stuff, other stuff that we were kind of, uh, you know, rolling our eyes at, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it, Lester can, it just proves Lester can make a, a hell of a good, straight superman movie if just they didn't indulge the the silliness so much <laughs> yeah pretty much uh yeah i mean uh, the, the great howard hawks said uh, what made he was asked was what makes a great movie and he said three great scenes no bad scenes that was his <laughs> that was his uh, <laughs> it was his his formula and this movie unfortunately has lots of bad scenes but it but the great scenes are really great i mean again rewatching the sequence again boy this is I was like this is a blast this is really effectively done and uh all, all props again to, to lester to the editor to the music and to christopher reeve i mean he's the only one on screen uh and really they put it all together and it's just a beautiful sequence and we'll have a little bit more to talk about in the, in the next episode but these five minutes ends with superman climbing out of the cab thinking uh mission accomplished i've uh, i've killed the clark kent side of me and now i'm just gonna get to be evil superman uh forever uh which is i guess is, is what he wants so like i said this is a, a really fun five minutes dark intense but uh certainly very entertaining so mike is there anything else you want to say about superman 3 before we wrap up here uh one quick thing and one uh not lengthy but still uh i have always thought that if you look at the first three well the the only three raimi spider-man films that the structure of those films follows the re films like the first one is the origin uh, and it's just this like fun superhero romp. The second one, the character loses his powers uh, and is in love with somebody and has to come to terms with who he is. And the third one has structural problems, but and he fights himself, but he it, it's still 
turns out somewhat entertaining. Uh, my, my second is I had this weird thought and, and you guys are the ones that, that sparked it is I was listening to you and uh, y'all talking to Andy uh, Leyland about this. And Andy said, this is the beginning of the third act. And it hit me. And I just had this weird thought just because of how my brain works. Um, I was thinking of the Superman musical. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman, <laughs> which came to Broadway in 1966. And like this part of the film, if it was a musical, it would have like right before the big fight, it would have like all of the characters like singing their little, their little parts of where they are in the movie, in the movie. Cause there's a, there's a reprise of a number called it's Superman where they do that in the musical. And I'm like, you know, come to think of it, the plot of the musical and the plot of this film have a lot in common. I mean, it's, it's, it's Superman, uh, like losing confidence of himself or becoming, or like succumbing to his darker side. There's another character that is in love with Clark and not Superman. Uh, Because Max Minkin's uh, secretary, who was on Broadway, played by Linda Lavin, and who in the TV special was played by uh, Rob's future ex-wife, Loretta Swit. Uh, uh, You know, I was just like, God. And then it hit me. And it was just like one of those things that should have occurred to me. You know who wrote the script for the Superman musical? David Newman and Robert Benton. Ah, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, He's just, they're just mining material they've already done. <laughs> just on a more broad way. And it just hit me. It's just like, is this all David Newman had, David Newman and Robert Benton had for Superman? Oh, he's going to doubt himself. And it's, there, there's going to be someone else in love with Clark. And, you know, there you go. Because they didn't come up with the story for one and two. You know, Mario Puzo did the first 500 page draft. And then, then they came in. And then Richard Donner said, nope, and brought Tom Mankiewicz in. This is really the first movie that's David and Leslie Newman and Robert Benton as like the screenwriters. Mm-hmm. So it just it just struck me as kind of like like just one of those things that maybe I'm the only one that would ever put these connections together. But the Superman musical and Superman three have so much in common structurally, uh, right down to a guy that just wants to get rid of Superman for his own purposes and uses somebody else to do that. That's uh <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED like... talk. Uh... <laughs> hey, if, if Ben and Newman can write the same Superman script and keep reselling it, that's the definition of working smarter, not harder. You know, <laughs> just like <laughs> just dust this off. You guys, anybody need a Batman script? I have this idea where Batman doubts himself. You could just, <laughs> just cut and paste super and put in bat. It's all good. All right. Fine. All right, it's good. I did not know that the musical was written by those two. Yep. I just I was yep. today they, years they, old when I learned that. They they wrote they wrote the script. Charles Strauss, who did <laughs> Bye Bye Birdie, did the music for it. But they were the and it must have been like really young David Newman and Robert Benton, <laughs> uh, considering that was like 1966. So this is almost 20 years later. But and I've read interviews. Uh, Starlog interviewed them not for Superman. It was for another movie that they had written. I forget which one it was. But they talk about Superman, and David Newman is not kind to the superhero genre Jeez. in that interview. But man, they, they they got they got a lot of money out of it. Yeah, you think you would be? I mean, good lord! Again, you probably bought him a really nice house. I mean, what the heck, guys? Yeah, hmm. Hmm. a lot of people seemed like a lot. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, a lot. A lot that was the that was the thought back then with a lot of 
creators, especially outside the comic medium, this is silly stuff. And I mean, that, that lasted clear up into, you know, the early two thousands until mm-hmm. people started taking it like, well, no, this is legit. This is as le- legit storytelling as, as any other kind of storytelling and, and uh, legitimate. And, and uh, we should take it as seriously as we would take anything else. And we shouldn't look down our nose at it. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I always think about Batman Forever when Tommy Lee Jones like, oh, that's a cartoon. I took a job because my grandson wanted me to do it, so that's why I did it. You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Just, I mean, that's... <laughs> love your Tommy Lee Jones impression. <laughs> it's like he's on the call. <laughs> I cannot sanction your buffoonery, Rob. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he can't tolerate rudeness in a man. That's right. <laughs> Either. So that's, that's right. <laughs> well, well, Mike, thank you so much for stopping by. As I said at the top of the show, it really wouldn't feel like a Superman podcast series if you did make some appearance on it at some point. So thank you so much for stopping by. No, I really appreciate it. And I really, uh, really appreciate you letting me be like on, on, the, on this particular scene because I feel it's like the best one in the movie. I, I just, it just reminded me of this is where my Superman DNA is. <laughs> and that's, that's ultimately why I can't like say like Superman three is terrible because so much of my identity and what I think of Superman is wrapped up in it. So not the two crosswalk things fighting, obviously more. <laughs> <for this> scene. <laughs> why, why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet as if they don't know already. Uh, you know, there's always a possibility. I, 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 I don't assume anything because, you know, when you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you and umption, as Tommy Lee Jones said in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, FortressofBailey2.com. Uh, it's the home of the Fortress of Bailey 2 podcasting network. And there you can find From Crisis to Crisis, which we recently did an episode where we interviewed Elliot S. Magan. So that was a fun because, you know, if you're going to do a post-crisis Superman show, interview a Bronze Age writer. Uh, and we uh, do the Overlook Dark Knight with Andy Leyland, who was on uh, the previous episode, and the Superman and Lois tapes, which is probably going to be a little more sporadic now that the show is on hiatus, but that's been a ball to do, uh, just completely outside of my comfort zone of having to cover something as it happens, uh, which takes it a completely different set of muscles in terms of podcasting. But yeah, uh, there's like like hundreds of hours of entertainment there. Well, what you might laughingly call entertainment uh, to, uh, to listen to. So, and I appreciate, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is always fun. Oh, no problem at all. And, and I have to say everybody, a little peek behind the curtain. If you're enjoying this episode, you have Mike to thank for it. Cause it was Mike that reminded me to hit the record button <laughs> before we started this show. So you would think after the thousands of hours of podcasts I've recorded, I would know to do that. But I forgot this time, and before we got too far into the show, Mike said, don't we need to record this? And yes, yes, it, we do. It, it, it's, it's Zoom. <laughs> Everything's different now. It used to all be through Skype, which was really sometimes like two like Dixie cups with a string attached to it. So <laughs> Mike, I, Mike was like, I was like, I asked you to hit record. I asked you to do one simple thing. Simple you thing. couldn't even do that. <laughs> as, I, as I dropped my cell phone onto the ground. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, again, thank you. Uh, Thank you, Mike, for stopping by. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Superman Movie Minute. We're always talking Superman movies over on Twitter, at Superman Movement. All the back episodes are on our website, fryingwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to Superman Movie Minute on any podcatcher of your choice. 
We always have to thank uh, the uh, progenitors of the Movie by Minute format, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer, for allowing us to borrow their format. Appreciate it, guys. You can find all the Movie by Minute shows over at moviesbyminute.com. And finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you're going to lock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on show of your choice. So big thanks to Superman's pal Henry Bernstein for his support of Superman Movie Minute. We very much appreciate it, Henry. Yay! So uh, that's going to do it. Come back next time as the adventure continues with Superman 3 Movie Minute. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.